Good morning, everyone. My name is Felix Justin, and I lead the youth ministry, the teen ministry here in Santa Clarita, which I love. You turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going old school this morning. As I said, we went to the senior honoring night, and it was a really great time. There's a lot of dancing on their part. I think when you get old, just stop doing it or something. No? I did see some moms out there. Before we start uh, really diving into our, our text here, I just want to ask some questions, uh, just some real questions uh, for you, and to see if you can really relate to this. Because this, these are things that I've thought, these are things that I've done, maybe. But who, who here has ever been so mad that you've wanted to physically hurt somebody? I didn't ask to show hands, you know. Wow, very honest. It's okay, you can keep doing that. Has there ever been a time in your life? Now this one, maybe you don't want to show hands, I don't know. But when you thought things were just completely hopeless. Have things ever gotten so bad that you didn't know what to do? Has there ever been, have you ever been so overwhelmed with life and the tasks at hand. Have you, have you ever cried so much you couldn't cry anymore? Now, if these are things that you've done, like myself, then you're in good com company with the person we're going to read about today. We're going to read about David. He's a very emotional guy, very passionate guy, and a guy who I think we can all truly relate to. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, in verse 1, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because his sons and daughters Stop there. So if you can imagine the scene, actually, David just came back from another war. He actually got turned away. He was supposed to fight this war, and they said, no, go home for some different situations there. So he's on his way home. And if you can imagine the scene, you see smoke in the distance. You wonder, is, is, that, is that our home? Maybe their walk turned into a bit of a jog. And as the, as the smoke became more clear, that it was there, maybe they started to run. And immediately they go to their homes, maybe their tents, and they see nothing. Everything had been stripped. Everything had been taken. Everything was gone. Your livelihood, your family, your children. And these were men of war. The things that could have happened were they could have been captured, Maybe they had been abused or even worse, killed. 
So if you can imagine the scene, it was just depressed, despondent, total hopelessness. They cried to the point where they couldn't, they didn't have any strength anymore to cry. And these were men. This was the scene, a scene of hopeless, hopelessness, a scene of depression, their hearts being taken right out of their chests. Now today, we're going to read about this and about what David has done, what he did about this situation as a model for us. Because obviously the other guys were not a model, right? I mean, they see, they see this, they looked at the situation, and what do they immediately want to do? They wanted to stone him. They wanted to kill David, their fearless leader, David, the David and Goliath. Now they're already talking about overturning him, killing him. We'll see what David does. But I wanted to ask you first, has there ever been situations like this where things were going okay and all of a sudden, boom, not so much anymore? Maybe you're dealing with something extremely hard or extremely difficult at this time, which many of you might be. But maybe it's not even something that extreme. Maybe it's just as, you know, a, a, you're, you're having a good day, and then all of a sudden something happened, and you're not. For me, I know that this happened recently. I went with uh, my wife and my two sons to Disneyland, the happiest place on earth, right? <laughs> That's what they say. We're at Disneyland, and we're going in this ride, and we're sitting on, my, my son and I, we're sitting on, on the banister, not the banister up here, but probably about a foot off the ground. So I think, surely this is okay for me and my three-year-old son to sit on. And as I look away to grab the sandwich, I turn back and I hear a just knock. And I look over and he hit a rock. And, you know, it was a brief pause before the cry came out. <gasps> you guys know that cry? Oh. And I become instantly the dad. Like, I, you know, I'm that guy with a crying kid at Disneyland. And everyone's looking at me like, what did you do? <laughs> this is our, th our thoughts I'm thinking. And I reach, you know, to touch his head, and, and I, I pull my hand out, and there's blood. And I just, I, I feel so bad. Like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe he fell. I also hate blood. Uh, it's just my thing. So I'm, there's like major anxiety going on in here. Uh, and instantly, you know, the happiest place on earth is not so happy. I'm upset. I'm angry. You know, everyone's annoying me. Everyone's in my way as I tried to go to the Disneyland doctor, you know. And by the way, if you're going to get hurt, that's a place to get hurt, okay? I, w I walked in, and it was like an air-conditioned room. Uh, the doors opened automatically. Four nurses who are like moms just waiting to receive my son. <laughs> Had a big room, and... He got a plush Mickey. Anyways, if you want to get hurt, go, go there. But if you can relate to that, you're just having a day, and all of a sudden, it instantly turns bad. Something happens. Something not good. Something that pains you. Now, this is obviously something extreme, but we can all relate to this on a day-to-day -day basis, can't we? This, this heart, our hearts being moved to, to, from really positive very negative in a very quick or short amount of time. 
And we're going to notice some things in this scripture as we read. And one of the things I think, if you want to, at a later time, reference and read Matthew chapter 7. Uh, it's, it's all about the wise and foolish build, builders. And it talks about how there's a storm that's going to come. And that doesn't matter if you're a wise builder and you build on the rock, or you're a foolish builder and you build on the sand, but the storms will come. David was awesome. He was a great servant of God. He was a fearless warrior. But guess what? Storms still hit. Just if you're wise, if you're foolish, if you're a good person, if you're a bad person, doesn't matter. The storm is still going to come. Now David could have sat there and could have asked, why me, God? I'm your servant. I'm David. I love you. I'm on the run for you. Why me? But he didn't ask that. See, Satan tries to get in there, doesn't he? The first thing I notice about this is that Satan gets us where it hurts the most. For many of us, it's at home. Now, could, uh, David could have lost a battle when he was out and on, uh, you know, on the camp- campaign, but guess what hurts the most? His family, his home, his livelihood taken. And we could begin to question the God that we worship. He could have begun to question that God. But what does he do? Let's read. In verse 6, it said at the end, But David found strength in the Lord. Verse 7, Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he said. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. What did David do? He said he found strength in the Lord. Was his first reaction to take up the sword and just go and fight? Was his first reaction to prove himself to this party that maybe wanted to kill him and say, explain the situation. No, he found strength in the Lord. And he says, bring me the ephod. What does that mean? What, what is the ephod? It was a ceremonial vest that priests would wear, in this, in this case, the king, and he would wear it when going to God. It was a direct connection that he, was, he, he had with God. And so this was the, the dress. This was the garment that he would wear. It's not just an everyday vest kind of thing. No, this was a special thing. And that meant he's going to God. He inquired of the Lord. He wanted to know, what does God think? What should I do in this situation? Are we doing the same? Are we finding our strength in the Lord? Are we going to God? I appreciate the video that was shown before. You know, just the search. 
When, we, when there's a disconnect, there's, we start to search for other things. You know, and I also appreciate the grief recovery. I had it in my notes already. They're, they're doing this class, and there's a, a section in grief recovery we, they call STURBS, which are short-term relief benefits. It's not biblical, but there's certain things that we do when we are experiencing grief or experiencing messed up things that happen that we turn to. There are things that allow short-term relief benefits. So for me, when I took the class, I started to figure out mine was, well, I had, a, I had several, so. One of them was alcohol. When things were getting rough, when things were, I was feeling so much, guess what I wanted to turn to? Just take the edge off. Just f- kind of numb out. Because I really didn't want to think about what was really going on. I wanted to detach. Another thing, you might not relate to this one, was video games. And it was video games because I uh, was able to go and be a character that I wasn't really (laughs) in this life. (laughs) It allowed me to uh, complete missions and accomplish certain things that I really didn't feel like I could do in the now. Maybe for you it's not video games, but maybe it's an online thing, social network, but certain achievements that really don't make correspondence to the real world. Another thing was exhaustion. I would just work and work to the point where I was just exhausted and I couldn't think anymore. I'd just fall asleep because I really didn't want to think what was going on. For you, it might be impurity. It might be money. It might be working hard. Certain achievements that, that, that give you that Relief, they're a benefit, but they're only a short time. Now, why are they only a short time? They only last for a little bit, and you have to keep tapping into it. You have to keep going back to it in order to get that, that fill. But it's not lasting. It's not forever. There's no substance or sustenance. You know, we were like... Like I said, we went to the senior honoring banquet last night. We left here at Rancho Pico at 4 p.m. to drive down to Orange County. And uh, we thought there was going to be food there, I think most of us, you know. It was the impression that I got and that I also gave to people. Uh, there was a lot of candy. Uh, there was like little tiny veggies, fruit, little bits of fruit. There was no meat. There was no hearty food. There was no sustenance. I ate a lot of candy last night. I was unfulfilled. It turned me to go to even worse things like McDonald's and get 40-piece chicken nuggets. This is confession here, right? Don't disrespect me. Think what you will. Sturbs, short-term relief benefits. These things don't fill us, do they? We need something lasting. You know, and the, the woman at the well, and you can read that another time, it's a great example of this. She goes to men, going back and back again. And even the, woman, the, the man that she's with is not really her husband. That, read that, and it's in John. It's a great story if you want to read that. But we do this. 
in our lives. And every one of you has your own stirb. You know, if you, if I like to call it stir because the other alternative is sin. So you can also call that sin if you want. Just going back to certain things over and over again. You know, I look and I see in his life is that it must have ta- taken a lot of training to do this, to go to God, to say, bring me the ephod. When all hope is gone, I don't, and this is just me, maybe, I don't think immediately I must pray about this. You know what? Bring me my Bible. I'm having a hard day. My, my son just, you know, bashed his head. Like, this is a really great time to pray. It's not me. I don't initially go to that. So it must have taken training on David's part to get to that point, conditioning his mind, conditioning his spirit to when something was messed up to go back to God. For you, it's the same thing. It doesn't come naturally to turn to God when things are bad or things that are messed up. Maybe we you know, throw a little shout of a prayer or something like that, but really turning and drawing our strength from God. He says, bring me the ephod. There's a deep connection. Are you having that deep connection? Is there a connection between you and God? For David, we see a great connection. We see an example that we can look at and we can aspire to. He based, I also noticed that he based his decision on the word. You look at it, it says, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Not only does he inquire of, the, uh, of God, but he actually makes his decision based on it. For us, we don't have the ephod and we don't have a direct, you know, God's not going to talk to you uh, directly out of the sky or whatever like he did Moses and David and he had this great connection. You won't have that, guys, okay? But you do have the Bible. You do have his word. David literally had his voice. You have the word of God sitting in your lap, in your phone, on your computer. It's there. Tap into it. Inquire of God. What is he trying to say to you today? What has he been trying to say to you recently? For David, his standard was the word of God. His foundation was God himself. Now, if we don't have a foundation, we don't have a standard, then we're, we're kind of just going off what? Our feelings? I have a lot of feelings, guys. Whether you believe that or not, I have a lot of feelings. Now, if I went on based just my life on how I felt, it'd be very dangerous, very scary. I don't think my wife would want to be with me or happy with me. But a lot of us do that. It's how I'm feeling, so this is what we do. And honestly, in this world, that's kind of what it's based on too. Hey, you don't feel like being with somebody? Hey, don't be with them anymore. What's that? Where's the commitment? Where's your foundation? What are you holding strong to? How do you make your decisions? Do you seek... Do you inquire of God? Maybe today you're studying the Bible or in studies. 
Are you inquiring? Are you basing your life off this? Or is this just a nice idea? You know, people do that. Hey, that's great for them. But what about you this morning? What is God telling you to pursue in your life? Now, some things that we can pursue are really, really, uh, you know, just based on us. Now, a good thing to do would be ask, to ask somebody else, what should I pursue in my life? Because it's good to get an outside perspective, like David did. Hey, you know what? This is what I want to do, but hey, you know what? I'm going to get an outside perspective. For him, it was God. But for us, we can have other people as well, other people in our lives. Maybe someone is trying to help you. Are you letting them? Now, God told David to pursue them. And victory will be assured. The victory is always with God. It can only be with God. Are we trying to do it on our own? We're just trying to have victory after victory in our, in our, in our marriages, with our parents, with our kids? Or is it with God? What battle is he telling you to fight today? Is he trying to tell you to put him first again? What is he trying to say to you this morning? Is he telling, trying to tell you to pursue what fight? What is it? Now, I want to give you a word of caution here. Don't think of this and say, you know what? I'm going to go home and I'm going to pursue that battle with my wife. I hope she's listening because I am. And we're going to have it out. Don't do that, okay? I'm talking about the battle within you. Okay, if you guys both work on you, I think it'll go better. Okay, what is God telling you this morning? Are we on the pursuit? Are we going to God? Let's continue reading about this very thing. Verse 9 So David and the 600 men with him came to Besor Ravine, where some stayed behind, for 200 men were too exhausted to cross the ravine. But David and 400 men continued the pursuit. They found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat, part of a cake pressed, uh, of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. He ate and was revived. And he, uh, sorry, for he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and three nights. David asked him, to whom do you belong and where do you come from? He said, I am an Egyptian, the slave of Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. He raided the Negev of the Carathites and the territory belonging to Judah and the Negev of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag. So this is the same guy. He was in the party that burned his town, okay? David asked him, can you lead me down to this raiding party? So he's just getting this information from him, from this guy along the way. But before that, we see that he had 600 men and 200 stayed behind. They were too exhausted. And you know, that probably was true. They've probably been traveling from the other party and now they hear about this. They start crying their eyes out. They couldn't even, they're too tired to cry anymore. And now David says, hey, let's go. Let's go get those guys. But guess what? 200 couldn't make it. They said, you know, I'm going, to be by, I'm going to just hang out here by the ravine. I can't go. 
Maybe they thought, you know what, the challenge is too great ahead of us. Maybe they'd been in the fight so much and they were just too exhausted. They were too tired of fighting this fight. They knew they couldn't do it anymore. My challenge to you this morning is don't stop because others have. David did not stop. He said, okay, you know what? I'm going to go with what I have. 400 plus David. Great. 401. We're going to go make it happen. We're going to go battle this out. Now, maybe you're making some changes in your life right now, but not everybody is joining the party. And that happens, and that will happen. Maybe it's even in a relationship that you're in, and you're saying, hey, look, this is awesome. Let's make these changes. But maybe your friend or spouse or a person in your family is not okay with that. They're not on board. And we have don't we? Don't stop because others have. Keep pursuing. Keep trying to go after the right things. Because God is going to bless. He already told you. Don't stop because the victory is right around the corner. You know, we read some more stuff here in verse 16. I want you to imagine this battle here. It said, He led David down and they were scattered over the countryside, eating and drinking and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and Judah. And these are the bad guys, the guys that just messed with them. They're having a great old time. They're having, they're reveling. They're celebrating. Verse 17, David fought them from dusk till the evening of the next day. And none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. Now, David only had 401, and it said none of them got away except 400. So if you can imagine, the army that he was fighting was probably really big. And if only 400 got away, what kind of army was he fighting? And again, not just the emotional taxing, but he goes from dusk till dawn, right? He, again, he's just being, it's just so tiring, my challenge to you is that the fight is real. It's hard. Anything worth fighting for is good, right? And he fought fearlessly. Are you having those fights? Are you going into it thinking, okay, you know what? Failure is not an option. Turning back is not an option here. What did he have on the line? He had his family. He had his people. He had his men. He had his own life. If he just gave up, he was going to die. That's the, uh, that's the option there. You know, I think about me in my life recently and how, how I can relate to this. I, uh, I go surfing, right? And I surfed on Friday, and I was talking to Mo about this because he's a fellow surfer. And uh, the waves were pretty big on Friday. And no one, uh, no one was in the water. There's people standing on the side. But I saw one guy in there, and he was making it look really easy. So I decided, I'm going to go in. And uh, it was not a great decision. And I go in, and I swim. And if, if it gives you any reference, I, I was paddling probably for about 25 minutes to try to get out into the water. And by the time I looked up, I looked back at shore, because that's kind of your reference point, I was four lifeguard towers over. The current it was so strong that it had taken me, and I was very tired. 
and the waves were only getting bigger. And I thought to myself, I better turn around. And so when I decided that, there was a monster wave that just, you know, took me under, and I got taken underwater. Um, and if you've been surfing, and, and, you know, I take some of the teens surfing, that's not, I won't take your teens out when it's like that. <laughs> Disclaimer, okay? It was only my life I was thinking about at the moment. So I got taken underwater. And usually you can just get taken underwater and kind of hold your breath for a while, and it was at the point where, you know, it was getting scary. Okay, I'm either going to drown or I'm going to hold on. And I thought to myself, failure is not an option here. <laughs> I, can't, I can't just uh, give up. That's not going to be okay for me. It's not going to be okay for my family or anybody else. So I decided to hold my breath and wait it out. <laughs> and I came up, and obviously I'm here, right, two days later. Is failure an option for you when you're going after these things in your life? Is it okay just to give up? Because the world says it's okay. You know, hey, just, you know, this is too hard. That's going to be too difficult. Just give up. People walk out on their kids all the time, every day. People walk out on their marriages. People walk out on their jobs. Maybe you've done that in here. People walk out on school. We walk out. Failure is an option in our minds. And it can't be. Not with this. Because if you fail, you will die spiritually. If you don't continue the battle, if you don't continue fighting, you will die spiritually. God is trying to give you a great victory. And it's right around the bend. Do you see it? Keep fighting. Keep going after it. Because failure is not an option. The fight is real. The fight is tough. But it's worth it. The victory. The family that he's going to have. The, you know, just the, the riches that he had after that. He had not even what, what he had, but he had even more. Now God wants to give you more than what you have. He wants to give you some true substance. But you, it's on you. You have to keep with it. Keep on. Amen? The last thing I notice here is that we need more to join us. Verse 21. It said, Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow him and were left behind at the ravine. They came out to meet David and the people with him. As David and his men approached, he greeted them. But all the evil men and troublemakers among David's followers uh, said, Because they did not go with us, we will not share with them in the plunder we recovered. However, each man may take his wife and children and go. So these guys approached the 200 men who did not go, and the evil guys and the troublemakers said, You know what? You don't deserve this. Just take your wives and children and leave. But what does David do? Verse 23, David replied, No, my brothers, you must not do that with what the Lord has given us. He has protected us and handed over to us the forces that came against us. Who will listen to what you say? 
The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who, who went down to the battle. All was share alike. David made this a statute, an ordinance for Israel from that day to this. So he, David, did he shame them? Did he say, you were, you were weak? Did he condemn them? No. He said, you know what? My share, our share, is going to be the same with that of those who went down to the battle. I related to God and us. Maybe you were too exhausted at one point to live this life. Maybe you're coming here. Maybe you had fought a long time ago, but maybe you're coming here thinking, you know, I remember this, but I don't know if I can do it again. There's a piece of the victory still for you. There's a portion of the plunder still for you. God wants to give you great things still. Other battles will be fought. And guess what? David needed those men. Just as David needed those men, we need you. We need every man and woman in this room to join the fight, to fight against the evil one. Because if you were just giving up and you just said, yeah, you know, I'm too exhausted, and you walk away, you're missing out. There's still a piece for you, and he wants to give it to you. My challenge to you is if this describes you, if you had thrown in the towel previously or before and said, no, I'm not going to live this life, this is the direct call to you. Come back. Join us. There's still more fight to, to be had. Now, I think of this, this valley, Santa Clarita, thousands of people here in this valley. We have a lot of work to do. There's a lot of lives being messed up. A lot of sturbs behind closed doors, right? You are a part of that. I was a part of that. But we found this place. We need you. We need you to get up. We need you to fight. And we need you to go and get more people. David had this on straight. Do you. Let's be like David, okay? Let's be like David today, and when things hit, let's turn to God, draw our strength from him. Let's call for the ephod. When the, t when, when the battle gets tough, stick with it. Pursue the right things. And let failure not be an option. David went on from here to have way many more victories. This is not his last one. Let us be like David and join the fight and be victorious. Amen.